Welcome to the University of Birmingham's Fantastic Research and Where to Find It series. Each episode will feature two experts discussing areas of their research that relate to subjects explored in the films based on the work of author J.K. Rowling. Today's episode will feature experts from the Department of Philosophy, and they will be discussing beauty ideals. What would we see in the mirror of Eriset? I'm Gulzar Barn, and I'm a lecturer in the philosophy department here at Birmingham University. I'm Heather Widows, I'm Professor of Global Ethics in the Department of Philosophy and also at Birmingham University. So, one of the most fascinating objects in the new Harry Potter film is the mirror of Erised, and it's no ordinary mirror. It basically shows you not your face, but your heart's desire. So, Heather, you work on body image and the beauty ideal. How does this mirror relate to the kind of stuff that you're thinking about? I think the mirror of Erised is a perfect example of a magic object that shows you something that you can't see in the real world, but comes out from deep inside you. So Harry, when he looks in the mirror, he sees his family because that's what he wants most. Mm. And Ron sees himself as this powerful head boy. I think for many people, if they looked in a magic mirror to see what they wanted most, it would show them themselves, but firmer, younger, thinner, more perfect, a perfect body to be the perfect self. So this imagined self then, is this all about the body or is there something else to it? It's primarily about the body. So I argue in my recent book that we've moved from um, pictures of the self, which were primarily about character, about the inside, to where we increasingly think of ourselves just as the outside. So the selfies that we post, they're some way towards being the imagined self. These are Nobody looks like their selfies. You have to make up, you then have to take it at the right angle, then you have to get your filtering right, and then you post it, and then you wait and see if you're liked or not. So selfie culture is some way towards being the imagined self, as we all live slightly more in our visual and virtual world, which in a way is a slightly magic world as well. So is this very different from the past then, how we viewed ourselves in the past? Do you think now we're more kind of viewing ourselves as our bodies? Absolutely. Very, very different. So if you use the examples of, say, New Year's resolutions, and you look at what young girls might have said 100 years ago when they thought about how to improve themselves, they used examples like, you know, I want to think before I speak, resolved to be a better daughter, resolved to be more caring, resolved to put others first. Those are the kind of things you get in diary entries. Whereas now, our New Year's resolutions are nearly all about the body. If only I could be £10 lighter, if only I could sort my hair out or firm my thighs, then my life would be better. So it is all about the body, but the body is a proxy. It's a stand-in for this life we want, this better life we think we'll have if we can just be better on the outside. Is this a bad thing then? Is this a worry if we're viewing ourselves as our bodies, as objects? Is that objectification? So it is objectification, but not in the traditional way that feminists might have argued and feminist philosophers argued that it's all about reducing yourself to a mere body and all the arguments about sexual objectification. So in a very real sense, we are so used to objectification now that it is both positive and negative. So every time we post an image, an image is always an object, a selfie is always an object. But the imagined self that we're striving towards, that we're transforming ourselves, the ones that we um, uh, think will happen at the end point of the quest, um, the perfect me, this is not uh, just an object, a mere object. It's always a subject. 
So if you look at um, what people aspire to, you'll often get young girls talking about, oh, if I imagine myself as that perfect businesswoman, I imagine myself, you know, dressed in a sharp suit or as a scientist with a white coat and eyewear. And that's always an active person. So the person at the end point is not a mere object. You never imagine the body not doing anything. You imagine the body in contact. You imagine that they're a happy person who has received the goods of the good life because once they've sorted out their outside then the inside will follow so there's lovely quotes for instance so um 16 year old girls will say things like oh if only i could be a size 10 then you know my grades would come up i'd get a boyfriend i'd have a better life so it's very much not about just a mere body it's very much symbolizing the person the life the better self we will be so beauty is seen as kind of essential for securing the goods of the good life then. Does this play quite an important role on your account? Absolutely. This is my first argument in Perfect Me, is that beauty for very many of us has become an ethical ideal. And by this I mean it's what matters most, it's what we talk about, it's what we think about, it's what we spend our hard-earned cash on. And succeeding at beauty has almost become required no matter what else you do. And to fail at beauty is to be a failure, to let yourself go. And you can see this all over beauty talk. Beauty talk is fundamentally moral talk. You should make the best of this yourself. You deserve it. You're worth it. So this becomes virtue then. If you're good at beauty, then you're good. You're good when you resist the carbs. You are bad when you give in to the naughty piece of cake. Do you think this is harmful then if our sense of self is so intertwined with how we look? There is lots about beauty that is very positive um, and is empowering. But if we continue in the way we're going, then the harms are devastating. We already have a global epidemic of body image anxiety where very many of us, particularly the younger you are and the particularly more involved in selfie culture you are, feel like failures and don't do very many things. So we have girls reporting not speaking up in class, not doing activities, basically failing to do anything because they feel that they have failed in how they look. If we continue the way we're going, then the epidemic of body image anxiety will only increase and the harms attached to that are numerous and deeply felt. There are also other harms as we move to a culture where the normal, where the normal body is the modified body. It is the body that is hairless, it is the body that has had work done. As this happens, more and more of us will have to do more just to be normal, just to be good enough. This will put us in a culture which is very toxic, where nobody is good enough and everybody is dissatisfied. That is not where we want to be. How do you think we can respond to this then, if these kind of images are everywhere and really hard to escape from? So the most important thing, I think, is recognising just how dominant the beauty ideal is. This is not trivial, this is not fluffy, and this is not about what individuals do and don't do. We should stop the shaming culture. We should stop shaming people either for having procedures, of course people want to have procedures when the pressure is this high, and we should stop the shaming culture when people don't. So I guess my core message would be, let's not look at the individual level. Let's not blame individuals for what they either do or don't do. We need to look collectively. This is a public health crisis of body image anxiety and a toxic environment. Only by recognising it communally can we begin to address it. So what got you interested in this particular area of research then, Heather? Some people thought this was a strange move for somebody with a long history of working on global ethics 
But I think as soon as you start to look at just how serious this is, how defining it is of our culture and ourselves, then you realise that beauty is an issue of justice and one that we really need to address importantly and urgently. I started this project nearly 10 years ago um, and my daughter is now 11. And there was a point at which I realised that she was growing up in a very different world to the one that I had grown up. A pink world with occasional purple highlights and being told she wasn't allowed into the playhouse because she was a boy because she was wearing trousers. We are in a very visual culture and one that we haven't theorised about and we have not yet understood. And if we're going to do service to our daughters and to ourselves, then we need to start understanding just what it means to live in a visual and virtual culture. Thank you to Professor Heather Widows and Dr Gulzar Barn for that fantastic insight into your research. For more fantastic research and where to find it at the University of Birmingham, visit our website at www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash fantastic research.